Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu/podcast Hello everybody and welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other such things, etc. My name is Alex Croson. I am one of your hosts alongside Casey Clap, host a uh, dose. Host number dose. Host number dose. Hi Casey. Alex, good day. Good day to you, my friend. And you are fine, I presume? I am fine. Are you fine? Indeed. Lovely. Next. <laughs> Next topic. Uh, I'm doing great, actually. Spring is almost here. Daylight savings time is going to happen here in a second. That's right. We're officially old men. We st- uh, we talk about daylight savings. Well, I get to get myself another hour sleep. And how about this sunshine? Oh, my gosh. Actually, it's a, it's an, it's the opposite of an hour of sleep, isn't it? Uh, that's, I don't, I can never keep track. Oh yeah. It's cause we spring forward. So if we're sleeping at two o'clock, then all of a sudden it will become three o'clock. Mm. But that, that time never existed. It's wild. Yeah. Isn't it fun when you realize that every, like, um, everything in your life is completely made up. Isn't it? It's a cultural thing, you know? Yeah. T- time is a complete made up thing yeah everything is made up <laughs> we can all just agree let's change time by one hour today and the sun stays exactly where it's always been i just i, I like thinking about the idea where it's like all right everyone change the clock and then the sun's just like yeah moves just ever so ever so slightly be an hour ahead we truly live in uh the Truman Show. Yeah, we do. I think that yeah. was the message of that movie. That was. Yeah. We're, that's just real life. <laughs> Casey, we have a big episode today. Oh my gosh, do we? Lots to talk about. This, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to I was gonna try and presume what you were about to say oh. as, is one of the big topics. Well, I, I'll introduce it here. Okay. Casey, you told me recently that you are very excited about some mushroom related yes things i am excited so during this last winter uh, uh snow and ice storm that we had here mm-hmm. um there is a tree at my mother's house that unfortunately succumbed to the ice and it literally split in half r.i.p yeah it was it's just too bad it was on its way out probably it's one of those things you don't know, but you have this sneaking suspicion. Oh, like the ice was the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, made of wood. Exactly, mm. of a birch. It's mm. a so it's a bronze or it's a uh, European white birch, Betula mm. pendula. 
great. Beautiful tree. Um, and our, some neighbors just down the way, um, their trees got infested by this beetle called the bronze birch borer. Oh. And it's a sad day, but it's a, well, it's a sad story. Um, we'll talk about it probably sometime. But the birch trees, um, these specific varieties and species, the white birches, the ones with all the you know really nice white bark. Oh, yeah. That everyone loves. Unfortunately, they are um, super susceptible to this beetle. And so if you have a tree that is a little bit sick, maybe it's just stressed, water, something like that. Inevitably, that beetle is going to smell it and be like, oh, stressed tree, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just like all the others. And it goes over there and it starts causing trouble. And then the trees slowly just die back. They don't have any real... Um, defense against it other than being like super healthy robust trees okay but unfortunately because we have this like you know summer drought a lot of times we just don't get super robust trees unless you water your grass all the time Yikes. spoiler my mom does not water her backyard grass all the time oh boy which i support to be very clear um but uh it means that because our neighbors had unfortunately their trees get infested they got cut down and then our trees started started showing signs so i was like oh no so of, I, a bronze beetle yes infestation of, of the infestation of it okay. so inevitably uh so not inevitably i climbed up there last year and i pruned out the tar or the the bits that were um we had the beetle mm. evidence. Hmm. I was like, we're going to let this go. Hopefully it's going to be fine. So put in the work, climb the tree. And then it, 10 months later, it rips itself in half. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, um, it had these two stems and one, one fell over um, onto the neighbor's property. No damage really, except our fence, but that's, that's not a big deal. That's a real final destination type death. Right. Tried to save it. And instead a, a girder off a truck crumbs and crushes it. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's what happened. <laughs> so ended up taking out one of the stems and then there's another stem that's, that was still there. So me and my friend Dan climbed up there, cut the thing down and mm. left a wildlife snag. Cool. So are you familiar with those? Uh, no. Yeah. It's basically just leaving wood so that birds can come peck into it and that kind of thing. I think I could have gotten that yeah. from context clues. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, I, I just I, mansplain. No. <laughs> Tree splaining. Tree splain. Sorry. How dare you? <laughs> no, I, I was just like, if I, I would, that was sort of a comment at myself. Like, oh, oh I probably could have figured that out. I see. All right. Yeah. Well, um, so uh, because we ended up cutting down a bunch of that wood, I was like, this is going to be fine wood to use and grow mushrooms on. Uh-huh. So I ordered from, um, I think it's called Field and Farm or something like that, mm. and got these little mushrooms spawned. They're literally little tiny, like uh, quarter inch plugs and they're about like maybe an inch or so long what you're supposed to do is take a a bunch of wood freshly cut wood of certain species and you take a drill and you drill into it like a bunch of holes all over it and they give you all these directions and then you order this spawn and it's just these plugs of wood that are already inoculated with a given species of mushroom interesting i got oyster mushrooms and shiitake mushrooms wow so you take those little plugs you put them into the drill holes then you cover them with a little bit of wax and then la 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 you just wait for the mushrooms to do their thing how exciting yeah so potentially if not this spring the next spring and and potentially fall um little mushrooms will start popping out of there and all i gotta do if i'm like wow man i could really go for some oyster mushrooms Mm. right now walk out to my backyard cut them off and then fry them up lovely yeah and it should work out really great i don't know if it will this is the first time i've ever done it I might come to you for some mushrooms. Yeah. Well, don't come to me for any other mushrooms than oysters or shiitakes. Right. Because <laughs> I probably won't have them. And if I do, something went horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. You're going to end up with uh, uh, 
uh, shit. Dyer's yeah. polypore. Oh, there you go. Yeah, the cow pie. Yeah, except I didn't do it on Douglas fir. It's on the birch. Oh well. Yeah. So, you know that was the one mushroom I could name. <laughs> that wasn't. Well, it's going to be a bunch of fungal associates, and these right. fungal associates will be delicious to eat. Casey is making his own <laughs> cast of fungal associates. Yes, and I shall slowly consume them. <laughs> He's becoming a god before <laughs> our eyes. I didn't know I wasn't Quick, already one. Someone strike him down. <laughs> Casey, <laughs> that sounds don't. great. Um, but I'm we're excited. not here to talk about mushrooms. No. This is a tree podcast, after Jeez, all. Jeez, get out of here. And the tree in question this week... <clears throat> Our very last episode of the season. This is so exciting. You guys, we made it 12. That's right. And today we are talking about the Southern Magnolia. That's right. Said in a completely uh, standard Pacific Northwest accent. You should have done it in a Boston accent this time. Oh, that would have been ironic and good. Exactly. But I I'm... wish you had any amount of cleverness in you. <laughs> That's fair. I deserve that. Oh, get out of here. Casey. I, I, I rescind that. Let's imagine... That we are walking through a forest in, what, Georgia? Louisiana? Louisiana. Anywhere. Down there. Yes. You know, yeah. We're walking down there, and we come across some beautiful, picturesque southern magnolias. Oh, man. What do we see? First thing you're going to see, these fat leather leaves ah. right off the bat. So it's a, a Magnolia grandiflora is the scientific name. Cool. And another one of those easy ones, like grand, like Pinus ponderosa, mm. Magnolia grandiflora. I guess it's not quite the same. Grand, grand, f- yeah. so, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> We're out of sync tonight. <laughs> grandiflora sounds straight up like big flower. It's exactly what it means. That's Great. quite literally it. And the flowers, some of them can be like six or eight inches across cross when they like are fully Jeez. open so but you're not going to notice that right off the bat you're going to be walking through the forest and it's going to be a little bit darker underneath uh this tree because they're evergreen and they have these big thick leaves they're alternately arranged and mm. spirally kind of as they go up the stems and the leaves are probably anywhere between like eight and ten inches eight would probably be pretty reasonable ten is huge okay um but there's variation of course and they fall off um, in the, uh, they're evergreen. So they keep their leaves for more than one season. When the old leaves inevitably fall off, they just cover the ground and they're really leathery. Mm. This is this is interesting because it doesn't really decay very quickly. Interesting. So if you're walking around, you're going to see all these old leaves sitting down underneath one of these old trees. And they'll just sit there for a couple of years and then slowly decay over time. But- because they're evergreen, they put a lot of effort into keeping those leaves really tough for a long period of time. So inevitably, when they die, they sit there and they have to wait for all those toughness parts to, you know, decay. Interesting. Oh, because they're so tough, they take a while to decay. Exactly. You may have said that, and I, and I just... Honestly, I think you just said it better. <laughs> so I appreciate you for hey, that. Hey, I'll take the compliment. <laughs> uh, Casey, I said to you before we recorded that these leaves look like you could take three or four of them yeah three of them maybe and stitch them together and make a football yeah i think you could like i bet you that they would be really great as baskets you know oh yeah if you weave a basket but make it really loose you could probably like tuck these leaves in there strips of them in fact i wonder if they've been used for that i I am almost certain they have i would be willing to bet if we thought of it then someone much smarter than us probably has (laughs) And probably several thousand years ago. Yeah, exactly. A lot, a lot more able than us. Mm-hmm. 
So they also, of course, are magnolias, which are one of the most famous flowering plants in the entire world. So they have these big, huge flowers that are like this creamy white color. And when I say creamy, I mean like you, if you just had the color, you could, you would think that you could just dip a spoon into it Mm. and like pour it over cereal or yogurt or something. I would call that color. (laughs) You don't pour, you don't pour cream over yogurt. It is. You saw my face. As soon as I said that, I looked over and I was like, that does not make any goddamn sense. Casey Casey hit a brick wall on his head. (laughs) I I was like, you pour milk into yogurt and, oh God. Why not? Double up on that cream. You know what? Yeah. Why not? Thank you, Alex. Sometimes I just want, I just want to be myself. I think we're going to start a revolution in this country. (laughs) People are, on Good Morning America, they're going to be talking about how everybody's pouring milk on yogurt. (laughs) Oh, when that day happens, oh, it's going to be the new diet fad. Oh, that's going to be, I feel like that's going to be uh, on Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow's website. Oh, like, yes. Oh, did you get your your yogurt milk? Once, like, uh, yeah. yeah. Of course I got it. Look at my skin. It's perfect. Once her goop money runs out, <laughs> she's right. on to yogurt milk. Um, oh, well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> I would describe that color of the magnolia flower as like vanilla bean. Yeah, perfect. Like oh. I just want to I just want to eat it. I do. Yeah, it's the same. I feel the exact same way. Yeah. Well, they have also um, these really beautiful little uh, um, uh flower no the fruit parts and this is always a fun one when you look at the the fruit of a magnolia some are really big and these ones specifically are they're an aggregate of fruit and it makes sense when you think about the flower we'll talk about that in a second okay um but the fruit basically is this big conglomeration of little capsules and the capsules just pop open and almost like flip out a hmm. a little red seed and that little red seed is uh it looks red and that's what attracts birds to it, it interesting it doesn't really have a significant amount of um i guess nutrients really but hmm. it looks really good and i'm sure it has like a sweet flavor to birds i bet you they like it but it looks like that and then it pops out so you see the fruit and the fruit literally kind of goes Bleh! and exudes out these seeds interesting yeah they're really cool huh and then uh, goes about fifty feet tall or so. You can find it down the southeastern United States. In fact, I believe it's the Mississippi state tree. It is Louisiana. I think it might be both. Let's double check that Mississippi, Mississippi and, and Louisiana. Louisiana. Oh yes, I remembered that. How about that, Casey? Not only are these trees white and green, and apparently a little red. Oh, that's right. What's there is a fourth color happening here. Yes. That I was very happy to find out about. Oh, it's great. It is the orange. 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 Much like your hat. Yes, I am. You know what I've been learning recently? Apparently, I'm I'm somewhat known for having orange hats. Oh. I didn't know that until recently. I think that says about you that you like high vi- visibility. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. So the orange. The orange, the leaves on the underside... They have mm-hmm. these little teeny tiny hairs, kind of like peach fuzz, and the hairs in the underside is extremely orange, like stunningly orange. Yeah. I guess it would be a burnt orange, more or less, so I don't want to say like, like neon. It's not like my hat. It's much more subdued it's as a color. It's about the color of my guitar hanging on yeah, my wall. Yeah, it's exactly like that. And then imagine that contrasted on the other side with this like really intense, glossy, dark green gorgeous and then when you're looking at one of these trees which we can find a bunch around here they're planted as street trees as uh, ornamental trees they're really like kind of the old school kind of tree where like you would have planted in the 40s 
And now there's some big, big, gorgeous, beautiful ones. And if you look at them during the early mid spring, right when their leaves start coming out, their leaves have this, like that's when the, the colors are as at their absolute highest. Mm. So you end up getting these like dark, glossy, glossy leaves with these orange undersides and they just kind of pop and speckle through the whole tree. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. The Just the contrast. And I think... This should be another thing. I'm pretty positive. Um, is it, no, it's orange and blue are the the um, complementary colors on the color wheel, so they're yeah. exactly opposite. Right. Green's pretty close. It's not perfect, but they are very much on the opposite sides, more or less, of the color spectrum, so they really pop and complement each other. So I think it's an extremely uh, effective color scheme for a tree. Yeah, it's gorgeous. If I were a bird, I'd be all about it. Right? You'd hang out it. Not to mention it's evergreen, so you can just chill in it all year round. That's right. Why wouldn't you? Wow. And then, I, I already like the magnolia. Ooh. And you, you go, go look up some photos. They're they're stunning. I, I don't even have to look at photos, Casey. Good I got you. I, they line the streets of Portland, these trees. <laughs> they do. There's some right across the street, I think. Yeah. There's literally, if I walk outside the front door of my apartment complex, there are several yes. down the block. That's exactly it. Yeah. And uh, other than that, the bark, kind of boring. It's, yeah. It's dark. It's rough. It's tumble. You, uh, the I think the bark and the intense glossiness and like robustness of the leaves are kind of a fun uh, uh, opposite, I guess. Uh, contrast is the term I'm looking mm. for in terms of like texture for these like really delicate looking white and very cream flowers. Yeah. So I always like that one. It's like it's it's just a super tough tree in that regard. That's great. And so yeah, it's got it all. So you said uh, this, of course, the state tree of Louisiana and Mississippi. That's right. Are we going to be finding these mostly? Are they only native in in the South? Uh, yeah, they're they're native in the South, but they're also they go quite a bit north. I think you can find them native all the way through the eastern um, seaboard, all the way over, I think, to almost Texas. Wow! And then not only that, you can plant them in places that are much cooler. Okay. Because they have different varieties and cultivars that can take different temperatures. Hmm. But you can also find them down in like uh, California growing in the, um, you know, the drier sort of chaparral kind of area. You can see them planted there and doing just fine. Interesting. I've seen them in, I believe, San Diego. And I don't know how far, maybe or how far north, maybe Seattle. Alex, let's take a quick break. Okay. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. There is also, um, there was actually, I guess I should say, uh-huh. um, there was a beautiful um, magnolia, southern magnolia, that was planted on the south portico of the White House. It was quite a famous tree, huh. planted by Andrew Jackson. But we should note, it was planted by Andrew Jackson, very likely grown on his plantation 
most likely by uh, slaves. So it's tainted a little bit. Of course. Any, but, anything related to Andrew Jackson is tainted. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's it. Yes, that's a fact. Piece of shit. So um, regardless, the tree itself, I think we can talk about it being a pretty cool tree. Yeah. And it grew and it lived for, um, what was it? I think 39 presidencies. That's I think, incredible. Yeah, planted 1835, one of the oldest trees. And then unfortunately, um, during uh, the, I think, 2018... Um, it had to be taken down. The Arboretum, uh, or the National Arboretum, uh, Ar- I guess National Arboretum Arborist, mm. um, went out and they said, yeah, this is just, it's in too rough a condition to keep it. And Aww. that happens, you know, trees get old, and when we have them planted by, you know, li- other, you know, historic buildings, you know, the rest of the White House and the um, the lawn, that kind of thing. Not to mention people are walking there all the time, and it's much more gracious for a tree to be removed, I think, than completely crush and fall apart you i know? see and you know it's it, i'm sure it's a matter of perspective especially if it's an ecological place let the tree crash because it, it still is a part of that ecosystem as it you know slowly decays and other things grow on it oh yeah but in this case unfortunately yeah after what 100 and s- almost 200 years Jeez. Is that old for a tree? It's uh, for this tree species, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, but of course, you don't know how it was taken care of. So it might be that these trees can live for, you know, that long or more. Um, but because it was planted where it was, people had pruned it. And mm. it was like, I think. I think they had like filled some of it with cement one time. This was an old thing that arborists used to do. Like they, if there's a decay cavity, they'd be like, "Oh, just fill it with cement." Oh wow! <laughs> you can still find some trees like that. Sucks to run your chainsaw through it and find that. Wow, <laughs> Casey, that you're blowing my mind. This yeah. is like how a dentist would take care of a a, a a cavity. I think it's exactly the same idea. That's so interesting. Yeah, but it doesn't do anything. What the hell were they thinking? <laughs> they, they just totally weren't. But you know what? They were trying something new. They were in innovators at the time sure yeah but yeah they would do that another um i think i've seen some people have done that still to this day are like ask me about it like i've seen fresh in the last five years fresh cement inside of a tree amazing yeah which is i hope is just some some old old timer who's just like this is how i did it back then this is what it's supposed to be good now i'm gonna yeah and they just fill it up he goes home and and dips his uh baby's bottle in whiskey (laughs) yeah just it's because it's teething alex come on (laughs) In fact, I believe that exact tree on the, this uh, this White House tree on the South Portico, I believe it was actually um, featured on the back of the twenty dollar bill from nineteen twenty eight to nineteen ninety eight. That exact tree, I believe so. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'd have to look. I don't have a twenty dollar bill yeah, from nineteen ninety eight. Oh, me, sure. That I can think of. Hey, if you out there have a, a twenty dollar bill from when? Snap a photo. Oh, you didn't. Oh, dang it! I was going to say send it to us. So we yeah. Could, oh yeah. Yeah, please send it to us so that we can have it. Yeah. (laughs) We'll give you a free shirt. Please give us money. (laughs) Yeah, we'll give you a free shirt in exchange for $20. Yeah, did you ever listen to Car Talk when you were younger? Of course. All right. Whenever they said, like, if you have a complaint or a uh, a comment, write it on the back of a $20 bill. Oh, those guys. (laughs) Yeah, it makes me laugh. I wish we thought of that. Click and clap. Oh, man, I love those guys. Hey, we're sort of like uh, click and clap. (laughs) Oh! I never knew I you get out of here. I don't know why I'm click. There's not really a Well, because I'm clap. Well, sure. So you gotta be the other. But you have a reason to be clap. I don't have a reason to be click other than you being clap. Mm. We can talk about it later. All right. That's another subject. Casey, the 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 star of this tree, and I say star very deliberately, Ooh. uh, is the flower itself. It is. That is exactly it. That is 
I, ugh, you're totally right. They're beautiful, aren't they? Thanks. They're gorgeous, yeah. So the half the reason that I think these trees are really interesting, and a lot of people would tell you this, some scientists are saying, well, let's pump the brakes on this, but magnolias historically have been known as the, uh, like, the prototypical flower, a mm. very, very ancient, um, primitive flower. Okay. And the primitiveness of it um, is based on a couple things. One, it has, instead of all of its flower parts, meaning its um, sepals and its petals and that kind of thing, all arising from one, one circular point, like a collar around the base of the receptacle is what it's called, which is the, the sort of base part that connects the stem to the flower. Okay. So it would all, the petals would all come right out as if they're coming from a collar underneath there. The, the magnolia, however, is spirally arranged. And so all of its petal parts and all of its um, stamens and all the other flower parts all spiral up this receptacle. Interesting. When you say spirally arranged, the first thing I think of is a, what, pine cone? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's half the reason they think that it is a primitive kind of flower. Because mm, pines are super old. Yes, exactly. And well, they're, and they're super old, but also, you know, that's getting revised here as well. We're like, yeah, they are really old, but there's trees and other kinds of things that are way older that don't necessarily have this. Okay, I see. Um, but with the magnolia specifically, um, for years and years, everyone would think that these are, um, that that represents a very historic or very ancient kind of thing. But there have been angiosperms that have been found that are, have predated magnolias by quite some time. In fact, okay. um, this one is only, um, actually I think all magnolias, only started to really appear and break off from their ancient ancestors about 95 million years ago. Mm. So on the time scale, eh, you, there's, there's some that are still out there. Um, maybe there weren't big trees, you know, maybe they weren't specialized like magnolias are. Um, because this kind of goes to the second thing about the magnolia flower is that it in a lot of, it actually predates bees. Like bees did not exist. Okay. When this fl plant initially started to create a flower. And as I know, bees and other insects? Oh, many other insects. Are how flowers transport uh, the good stuff. The good stuff. The goods. The pollen, exactly. baby. That is, you are exactly right. It's one of the first things that, you know, children learn. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex knows it. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. I, as soon as I started saying that, <laughs> I was trying to say it in such, exactly, you get it. It's one of the most commonly understood things. I should have said it more than that. <laughs> I know that you weren't being malicious. I thought it was Sorry. funny. <laughs> exactly, Alex. You have the level of a kindergartner of knowledge about this. <laughs> Well, sorry. I just I just discovered it today. I, <laughs> I just Googled pollinator. I couldn't even spell it right. I probably still... No, as, I think I could. As I've said before... Befores. <laughs> as I've said befores. Listen, you've been watching a lot of Sopranos. <laughs> I have been watching a lot of Sopranos. I don't think they would even say befores. No, they're, they're more refined than that. As I've said before... I'm intelligent in other ways. Exactly. And we all appreciate that. Everyone, round of applause for Alex. Oh, stop. Oh, please. I just don't know shit about trees. <laughs> it's just fine. Which is why you chose me for this podcast. <laughs> You're the best. You are right, though. They cool. It's pollinators. So bees are the classic thing. Actually, so here, I'm going to give you credit. Bees are known as the classic thing that pollinates uh, plants. Yes. Historically, everyone would be like, the honeybee, save the honeybee. Oh, God, we're going to talk about that some other time, too. Mm. Um, but 
everyone would focus on bees, but you're exactly right. Other insects do this still. Flies are a huge bout of pollinator. Mosquitoes, not the female mosquitoes, huh. but male mosquitoes. Interesting. They are actually nectar drinkers. They don't even have the same kind of mouth parts that the females have because the females are the ones that have the eggs. So they have the they need all the protein from our blood. That is a fascinating tidbit. Yeah. So if you ever kill a mosquito, it's a female mosquito who's Aww. just trying to feed her young. Yeah. Asshole. How do you feel now? Wow. <laughs> Everyone's like, nah, not that bad. I'm yeah, like, I feel pretty good about <laughs> yeah, I'm so fine with that. killing this pest, <laughs> sucking my blood. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of different insects. And for the magnolia, though, um, it was commonly and it was commonly assumed and understood, which, again, scientists are refining these things. A lot of stuff that we knew in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it was all like, yes, we believe this is the case. Right. And then no one really questioned it. Then not- we refined and kind of got better a lullapathy exactly right and so once we actually started really looking into it and maybe maybe it's just that we have more uh scientists who are specializing on things and they're like well do we know that for sure no we just have this one paper who kind of said yeah probably shouldn't we double check yeah exactly and then some master's student goes and double checks and says well actually i saw a bunch more um other kinds of insects in fact they've been flies and flies that are in the family i think no in the order diptera don't worry about what that means um well okay it means two wings i'm just gonna say it (laughs) You should look at flies. You couldn't help yourself. I couldn't. I was like, stay on target, Casey. Don't get off on another tangent. Trees, trees, Here we trees. Go. Flies. <laughs> well, flies, okay, if you ever look at a fly, they have like oh, normal boy. wings. And then they have these two little nubs on the back. And those are like these weird stabilizers. You're going to have to look it up. Oh, they're like little rudders? Not rudders. No, no, no. They're stabilizers that are like wings, but without the actual wing part. So imagine like little wing stems. Oh, interesting. So literally, they look like little nubs with these little balls on the oh, end. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. two little fists. I've seen that. And if you watch a fly, like a crane fly has the same thing, house flies, the, the reason they are so agile and so good is because they those are like sensory things, mm. and they actually start flapping before the insect starts to fly. Interesting. So you'll see this these two little nubs start up and then the fly takes off. And then you try to catch a fly. Everyone's tried. Like they are incredibly aerobatic. They can do anything they want. Yeah. And that's because of this. They have developed these really cool sensory organs and then they just have the ability to do anything they want with their bodies. It's a bit like uh, cat whiskers. Yes. That are like little sensors. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I think they're like that plus a tail plus another pair of eyes all mm. at the same time. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, their name is Diptera, meaning two wings. Got it. So that's why we went on that tangent. Good. So uh, other insects, though, like beetles, are even more ancient than flies right and so what they had thought is like well we actually see a lot of beetles that are on um magnolias of different species and so they said well because um these are such primitive flowers some of these insect species didn't exist and if they did exist they didn't necessarily uh, they hadn't necessarily developed these relationships with other um, plants meaning like pollination and that kind of thing okay so you end up getting um, these beetles, and these beetles would just kind of, you know, fall their way in. And I have to read their um, uh, the description. They're called mess and soil. That's the, that's what this uh, paper that I was reading oh. um, calls a beetle's form of um, 
like gathering and pollinating, gathering food and pollinating a flower. Mess in soil. They just kind of stumble around <laughs> yeah, until exactly. they're covered. Oh, man, what's going on? I saw the stuff on me. I don't care. And then they just fly away. Mm. Whereas a, a, um, a honeybee, I guess, would be very you know diligent, goes straight to get exactly what it wants, collect right. some of the pollen, moves on. <laughs> Beetles are like uh, are are like the Mister Bean of the pollination world. Yes, that's yeah, it's a perfect description. Thank I like you. that a lot. Um, Which also it, works because the Beatles are British, and so are is Mister Bean. What? Why are the Beatles? Oh gosh, I was thinking the insect that entire time. No, Shame on me. Just a dumb thing I'm that came sorry. out of my mouth. I didn't think that was dumb. So, um, beetles, ancient uh, kind of insect. Yes, they, they thought that that was you know the thing. But so we're talking about pollination, and the reason that I really wanted to do this right now. Um, sorry, I should be more specific. This tree right here at the end of our season is yeah. a to celebrate we've done it and we want to talk about this really big beautiful flower but then also talk about what's so cool and kind of get everyone jazzed for spring cool so the flower opens up it's an ancient flower it's basically been unchanged for millions of years tens of millions of years awesome it just didn't need to do anything different it's succeeding still succeeding why change what's working interestingly enough we now term these kinds of flowers perfect flowers Hmm, good for it and why do we call it that you ask alex i know why tell us because it has oh did you want to say why no (laughs) (laughs) no i i moved my leg and it hurt so i wasn't wincing because you were stealing my thunder sorry you and i are so sensitive and receptive to each other's needs (laughs) alex are you okay i saw you oh you're itching okay you're fine I believe it's because... Just to be clear, I appreciate it. The magnolia flower has both male and female parts. Yes, that is right. Yes. So uh, there's a lot of different kinds of flowers and techniques for trees to, you know, pollinate themselves, but not themselves, pollinate, get pollinated and pollinate. Yes. And why, if you have these flowers, if you, um, rather, if you have these flowers that have both the male and the female parts in the same flower, it could be very likely that you do pollinate yourself. And Mm. that would be really bad. Why? Well, because you're not getting a new influx of genes. And it's just the same where if you have inbreeding in any mammal or anything like that, where the genes just basically start to get mutated and cause, you know, a lot of trouble. Interesting. And yeah, it's it's like, didn't they say this about some of the royals way back when? Not the British, just royal people. They they wanted to keep the blood pure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and they just ended up going crazy because they were just, their their bodies were not getting new genetic material. Yes. And and um, the evolutionary basis for that would be, yeah, diversity, you know, creates a stronger organism. Mm-hmm. Um, why exactly that happens? Uh, you have to talk to a geneticist as to like all the really weird evolutionary things that went into creating that. But it's the same across in plants where the plants do not want to self-pollinate. They want to get pollinated by another plant. That way they have a better chance of their offspring having a, some interesting set of combinations that makes it a really good competitor. So having both male and female parts for a flower is kind of a, a risky gambit? It, it would be if you don't develop a way to keep that separate. Ooh, Casey, tell me more. Oh, well, this is where we introduce our fun term of the day— Protogenous. 
protagonist. I tried to say it as monotone as I could, and I don't. I think I messed it up. I think that was perfect. Actually, was it? all right. Cut out. Should that we last listen part. to the the Google pronunciation? Yes. What does she say? Here we go. Protogenous. Protogenous. We did it. Hard S. Hard S. Protogenous. Protogenous. There you go. What does protogenous mean? That means that in order to avoid self-pollination, the plant, the flower itself, in fact, it will turn on and off different sexual parts. So cool. Yeah. In fact, some other magnolias, I can't, I'm not 100% sure if this species does it, but some magnolias will actually close, open their flowers up, and they will have the pollen coming out. And that way, so the male side of the plant that produces the pollen is active and it's going. The female part would be dry and it would not be able to be receptive because it needs water to be receptive. So if it's dry, then you don't need to worry about it. Hmm. Nothing can stick down there and grow. So pollen just goes, it's going all over the place. This beetle comes in, it's wandering around, it becomes dark, and then the flower you know, would close up. This is what some do, maybe not the southern. But the flower literally closes and captures that beetle inside, and then the beetle's like stuck wandering around in this chamber. Then it opens up the next day. When it opens up the next day, or when the next day comes in the southern magnolias instance, mm. the flower is no longer producing any pollen and now the female anter is now receptive and it's been moistened it's actually created and pushed water into those cells so now that area is able to receive pollen so the beetle gets up and flies away another beetle comes back maybe from a different tree perhaps even from a different flower for whatever reason hopefully not a different flower then it would come from another tree fly over and be like oh hey cool what's up and then some pollen gets on the um, the anter, and then that pollen, because it's um, moisturized with some water, you get pollination. Wow. So the tree actively opens up, turns one thing on, given a little bit of time, turns that off and turns on the other part, and then it's ready to go. So it will never have, well, not I want to say never, it does its best to avoid having both things happen at the same time. Sometimes the intelligence of some of these trees is truly just it's stunning mind-blowing yeah and it's it's amazing i don't know if intelligence is the right word but i'm I'm, I'm humanizing it right and i think that's fair i mean but it's it's what else are you gonna call it you know the it didn't it didn't decide this is going to be the best way to do it it just happened yeah i mean trial and error right exactly over millions and millions of years 95 million years of trial and error right yeah it's it's astounding that that's just how you can do it. But then again, we found this same kind of plant magnolias for um, ninety five million years. So it probably had several millions of years with another species where it mm. developed these kinds of things. Then became a magnolia that did it, and then ninety five million years later, we're looking at it with our jaws on the ground, wondering how it knows how to do this. Yeah, and it's it's just it just shrugs its shoulders and says, oh, "I've been doing this for." Forever. 100 million years. Yeah, exactly. No big. So that is, I just think that's such a fascinating thing. And other plants will do different things. Like some have different um, entire trees that have male plants and female plants, but separately. Some have them, like some uh, conifers will have the male flowers on the very bottom and then the female, I'm sorry, cones. Oh my gosh. Wow. I'm so sorry. (laughs) The the male cones would be what? The podcast. The podcast regrets the air. Thank you, Casey. I'm so sorry. 
Thank you for adhering to the constitution of the podcast. I yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to have to have a constitutional crisis here. Let me just whip out the book here. <laughs> oh gosh, he's doing it. I have a three ring binder of rules, <laughs> and it's filled. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's lots of different strategies. Um, but this is the one that a lot of different plants do, but the magnolia does in spades. Doesn't the ginkgo do something similar? No, it doesn't because it is dioecious. There are female plants and male plants. Oh, I was just mixing it up. Sorry. I knew yeah. that there was something to, something to do with uh, female male uh, stuff with the oh. ginkgo. Oh, yeah, certainly. With theoretically almost every living thing, except okay. for slugs. <laughs> no, man. not just that they were females and males. <laughs> no, Forget I said anything. <laughs> Never. Oh, I try. Well, I quit the podcast. No, no, I can't do this alone. I would have to talk to Solo this whole time, and he's so quiet. <laughs> he's a good listener. He's a very good listener. He's asleep right now. Um, but yeah, so that is um, they. That is why these are the perfect flower. Very cool. And that is why we call them a perfect flower because and they and there's a lot of different plants that have perfect flowers, which mm. means of course they just have those all the female and male parts within one single flower. I just love that term. I think it's fun. And also because there's so many, it's kind of fun to say, you're a perfect flower. You're a perfect flower. You're a perfect flower. You're a perfect flower. And then you find one flower that's like, you're an imperfect flower. Ooh, burn. Yeah. And then I was going to say, like, if, everybody's a, if every flower is a perfect flower, then no flower is a perfect flower. Exactly, yeah. But luckily in this case, uh, you know, we have to think perfect being a little bit of a different kind of definition. Mm. You know, it's not saying you've reached some perfection of grandeur you're just you know you just you got you got it all it's you, true that in the flower world box. there are winners and there are losers <laughs> exactly sorry nature hurts the magnolia is a winner <laughs> well there you have it so it's uh it's i don't know i just think it's a perfect flower so a lot of the we have magnoliales as a um a big order of trees and it's because we said well these are pretty primitive and we can see a lot of flowers and a lot of different families underneath the magnoliales that mm. have a lot of different plants in it. So a significant amount of um, plants grow and are related to the magnolia, and they just kind of pop out there. And so they they they're a they're a big group. They're a big name in, sure. the, in the plant family world. Ooh, they're a, they're a soprano, if you will. They're a soprano. Yeah, exactly. So you cut one down, you might uh, you might watch yourself. Make it whack. You might get whacked by a branch. It hits you on the way down. <laughs> oh, boy. Casey, I think this is a perfect time after this just this wealth of information about the perfect flower, the perfect mm. Southern Magnolia. Chef's kiss. To give it a rating. Will our Golden Cone ratings be perfect? There's only one way to find out. Casey Clapp, we begin with you. All right. So this is uh, – I have to be careful here um, because I'm worried that it would be a little bit uh, kind of like the ginkgo where – a lot of my ratings, as soon as like, I think about them and I talk about how grand these trees are and I think about all these perfect trees and all these great ones that I've seen. And then when I do the rating, I'm like, all right, Casey, get serious. Yeah. This is where you got to, you know, you can't just make this up. This is this is Casey Clap, but they're overplanted. Exactly. Oh, man. At some point, some nursery was like, let's create three trillion of these <laughs> and let's sell them for 30 cents each. Yeah. And so they're great trees. And like, you, you see the first one and you're like, that's great. That's cool. Mm. And then all of a sudden, every big tree gets cut down and they're like, what are you going to replace it with? Oh, these little tiny trees. And it's like, oh, just, oh, 
I mean, it just boils my beans. <laughs> so, mm, beans. but I have to I have to temper that with the tree itself. Thank you. It's a gorgeous tree, and I go out of my way sometimes to like stop when I see one, and I'm like that is a magnolia because they are so grand. They don't get really huge and they just are like the quintessential um, specimen tree. Like you plant it right in the middle of your yard. Oh, sure. You give it 50 years and it just has this big, it looks like a gigantic kind of rhododendron. And then during the summertime, bloop, 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 you just yeah. get these little flowers because they start flowering late uh, late spring, like maybe June. And then they just keep on going. <laughs> Little flower there, little flower there, little flower there, little flower there. And they have that orange. All right. I'm giving them a straight 8.6. 8.6. Man, I just love them. They're, they're the smallest tree I think I've given that high of a rating. Oh, interesting. A small I, package, but a uh, uh, a big reward. Yes. Uh, an 8 an eight inch flower. I might edit that out. <laughs> they are. They're great trees. I like them a lot. You should plant one. And then plant six other kinds of trees somewhere mm. else on your street. Because they also, they don't get that big. They are evergreen, but because their leaves are so glossy, they don't necessarily do a really good job of like grabbing pollutants or things like that. So they they are specialized. They will shade the whole place, but they don't get really big. And so it's like, ah, for the use as a street tree, certain applications underneath power lines, excellent choice. They get really large. They can have a, a fine canopy, but they just... They're not going to be an elm tree. They're not going to be a scarlet oak. They're not going to grow more than 50 feet tall, at least here in Oregon. So they have their gorgeous specimens here. I'm sure if we went down to Mississippi or Louisiana, Mm. we would be blown away. Of course. Unfortunately, you know, (laughs) 8.6. 8.6 Golden Cones of Honor. Very That's all I can do. Underwhelming ending there. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of what I wanted to say. <laughs> I was expecting I, was, I, I think I was just going to be like, unfortunately, nah, I just don't like them. I got you. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't let that be, so I decided yes. silence was better. Yeah, sometimes silence, you know, in, in improv, silence sometimes is the answer. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. It pushes the narrative forward. Correct. Without saying it. 8.6 Golden Cones of Honor for the Southern Magnolia from Casey Clapp. That is what I think. Alex, if you have an opinion, now's the time. <laughs> Whoa. Sorry, I was going a little Lucy Lou there. A little menacing. Yeah, wait. Oh. No. Nah, not, I guess it's not Lucy Lou. What was her... Um... Uh, oh my gosh. Oh, oh, Oren... Oren Ishii. Ishii. Oh gosh, you guys, I love Kill Bill. I'm sorry. We watched that together. We did when, when we, we were, were stuffing envelopes full of golden cones. What good times! What was that? Two years ago? Wow! <laughs> no, Casey, remember <gasps> uh, the Southern Magnolia. I like a few things about it, All right. and I dislike a few things about it. I think we should name them each. And here are my things: likes. Um, it's pretty attractive. Okay. Uh, I like that it. You know what I really like about it? I love the so far. In this season of Completely Arbitrary, season one. Oh, our winter collection. Yes, our winter 2021 collection. I have loved the um, the ancient trees. Mm, your yeah. your Metasequoia glyptus droboides. Uh, sorry, Don Redwood yes. for you Alexes out there. <laughs> oh, uh, the ginkgo. Ginkgo biloba. Yep. Uh, and I like this, the uh, magnolia... Uh, 
Uh, oh, uh, Magna Magna Carta. <laughs> That's the one. Grandiflora. Grandiflora. Big flower. Big flower. I like the magnolia big flower because it's really old. And I like I like these trees that have survived for millions and millions and millions and millions of years. Tens of millions of years. Um, I like those trees. That is that is a kind of tree I like. I discovered this about myself, Casey. You know what I find interesting about that is it provides, I don't know, what you you see the layers in a tree. All of a sudden you can recognize, and you're like, oh, that's a southern magnolia. That tree has some history. Yeah. I like a tree with some history. Yeah. With some baggage. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. um, I also like that there is a Paul Thomas Anderson movie named Magnolia, which my great shame is that I've never seen Magnolia. I, but, Paul, I've, what? I've never heard of this. I have oh, no idea. Yeah. Tom Cruise, uh, that guy with three names whose name I can never remember. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh. Philip Seymour. Yeah, all right. Uh, uh, although I'm, that is one of my great shames in in my in my movie fandom because um, there will be blood. Another Paul Thomas Anderson movie is like oh. my favorite film ever made. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. There will be blood. Yeah, but huh. I've never seen Magnolia. We should watch it. We should watch Magnolia. Right. We that, probably should have done it before this episode. Probably. That would have been kind of a cool tie-in. That's going to give us a um, what a, a three-hour and nine-minute-long Patreon episode. Hey, Magnolia watch along. Yeah, let's do it. Press play now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I think it's fine for a few reasons. I like that it is in uh, it's in evergreen. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. But it's like a broadleaf as well. Yeah, which I think is neat. I think visually and like the tone of a magnolia is a little old school and like not in a cool way. Oh, I see. It reminds me of a tree that you might find in like a Sears and Roebuck <laughs> uh, catalog. Right next to your craftsman house. Get your craftsman uh, tools. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. They're a little grandma-esque. I see. Um, which, you know, I maybe if I had a grandma, I wouldn't find that as a negative. I see what you're saying. Yeah. All but- right. You know what I'm saying? They're a little, they're a little, maybe a little dated. I think that's fair. I mean, like, there's a lot of plants that you can, you can have that same exact sort of idea with. So, yeah, I, I think that's valid. What's uh, another kind of out of fashion tree? Oh uh, well, you're asking the wrong just, person. Just one. <laughs> so I would be like, oh, the ginkgo's out of fashion. Oh, okay. No, I wouldn't say that. Um, the camellia. There's uh, a bunch of old camellias. You can find any 1950s house has two camellias on either side of yes. the, the the walk or boxwood. Is dogwood another, one. another right? Yeah, dogwoods. Yeah, where they're all like they they basically came in fashion during the 1950s, 60s, when everyone's like, have your own suburban home and plant a tree in the front yard. Yeah, so that's kind of how I feel about Magnolia. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, However, I don't think that's going to take too many cones away. Okay. So I'm just going to give this a 6.8. Uh-huh. I think that's fair. Honestly, I think that averages nicely. Okay, what's Personally. the average of ours? It's about 7.2. Oh. Yeah, I think that's a fine rating, honestly. And I feel like every time I, I say this, like every single episode, I just get really excited talking about it, and then I have like a guilt complex where I'm like, oh, you can't go less than that. Oh, no, sure. Come on. But trust me, I'll get there. There are some plants that I just have such just a bad taste in my mouth for. Some literally, some figuratively. <laughs> I've tasted that licorice fern. <laughs> yeah, you could, I think I should have told you the root is what tastes yeah. like licorice. Well, you stood and watched as I ate 
the plant oh, itself. I more than watched. I cackled. <laughs> you did enjoy it. Uh, Casey, that was our review of the Southern, excuse me, the Southern Ooh, Magnolia. Jeez, Alex. It's now time for a game. You told me that we're going to do a game, and I forgot to ask you what it's going to be. Oh, God. It's I, a secret. I have no idea. This game was pitched to us by a listener, Casey, Ooh. which is now my favorite way to make this show. Our listeners giving us ideas. This sounds perfect. Yeah. Because it's a great idea, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, I don't know if you guys know this. Our brains have limits, mm-hmm. and everything that you send, we're just like, oh, thank God someone else is helping us out here. 100%. My we appreciate it. F- we, love, we love hearing that people love the podcast. We love questions about trees. A lot of fun. We love when people send us ideas for segments. <laughs> I'm glad you said segments. <laughs> you can also still send us ideas for trees. We like that too. Yeah, we're going to do literally every tree. So if yeah. you send us an email asking us to cover a tree, consider it done. Casey, there's no time limit on this game. There's no winners or losers. This okay. game is more of a discussion. Oh, Here's how it works. Mm-hmm. We are going to take a classic group from media all right okay for instance it might be the cast of a sitcom right Ah, the the characters from a sitcom or it could be uh a group of superheroes okay okay today we're talking because we both have established our love for this genre Mm -hmm. today we're talking ancient greek gods oh gosh okay all right I, i am gonna choose several greek gods okay and we are going to assign them a tree what that best fits their personality oh and their purpose gosh. and it's gonna be fun this is exciting i feel like at some point there's probably some scholars gonna be like they already have trees but oh I'm, sure yeah. i'm excited about this anyway i mean literally on this first one <laughs> this first one <laughs> zeus it, his symbols include oak tree. <laughs> yeah, whoops. We're going to ignore that. Yeah, this is our version of this. Yes, this as, is our interpretation. Yeah, this is our our decision on what exactly we want. That's right. So let's start with the man himself, the king of the gods, and the ruler of Mount Olympus. <laughs> God of the sky, lightning, thunder, law, order, and justice, Zeus, a.k.a. Jupiter, if you're Roman. I was going to say, this harkens back to another nutty episode. Oh, uh, yes. Which one was that? Black Walnut. Jupiter's Nut. Yeah, Black Walnut. I could remember Jupiter's Nut, but I couldn't remember which. All uh, right, that's fair. Okay, so Casey, let's talk Zeus. Um, He's throwing thunderbolts. He's laying down the law. He's big. He's tough. Uh Uh-huh. He's huge. He's fatherly. Yeah, I will say, I do have to say the oak really does make sense here. but 100%. I would honestly go with the bur oak, though, which Mm. is native to the Midwestern United States. Okay. It is unrelated to the... uh, or I mean, it's an oak, so it's related to all the other oaks. But it's not like closely related to any oak that the Greeks would have had any sort of uh, association with. And the reason I say this is because there's also an association with um, ancient myths and uh, legends from Native American tribes mm. where they would revere the oak tree because it got struck by lightning all the time. <gasps> Cool. So everyone's like, well, why? And they're like, well, it's it, the oak tree is how the gods would communicate or send messages or interact with and somehow, you know, us here down on the mortal ground. That's great. Yeah. So the oak tree was always this big one. And the bur oak specifically, it grows out there in the Great Plains. And it's just huge. It just grows out there. It has this big canopy and it just kind of stays short and stout, but gets really wide. 
cool. And not quite as like a, a southern live oak where like they go and hit the ground and come back up. They're stout and, and tough and strong. Out there in the middle of the plains, nothing else. Boom, bur oak, and then you just get this you know lightning strike all the time. Sick. Yeah. I think that's the perfect choice, and I I have no other opinion. I think you're right. Yes. Actually, if I were to give my own idea here, I would say like a redwood. Oh, yeah. All right. That's pretty true, too. A big, fat redwood. It's giant. Fat with a P. Yeah. Yeah, Obviously. Okay. That's Zeus. Um, Also, a burr oak, I mean, I guess all oaks, maybe, uh, the the limb and uh, branch structure- Uh Uh-huh. Uh, when it doesn't have any leaves on it, looks quite like lightning bolts. Oh, does it? Well, could I? I'm well, not yeah, looking at the same thing. You know, they're going at. out and they're, you know. Yeah, I can see that. Forked yeah. off and such. I like it. Casey, our next Greek god. All right. Is queen of the gods <gasps> and the goddess of marriage, women, childbirth, and family. Okay. I'm talking, of course, Hera. Oh, Hera. Juno, if you're Roman. Oh, I didn't know that. That explains quite a bit of that movie. Yes, mm. precisely. Mm. Marriage, okay. women, ch- ch- childbirth, and family. Also, sister and wife. Yeesh. Yeah, it's to got just, Zeus. Yeah, they got a little bit of everything going on there. Yes. But you know what? The Greek gods, their genes were completely different. Yeah, so what do you think? What do I think? So I'm trying to think of, of this and... The honestly, the tree that comes to mind um, right off the bat, which I'm not convinced about because I'm kind of going through a roller decks of trees in my brain right now. Roller deck, sorry. Um, but the weeping willow. Oh yes, because a weeping willow always has come off to me. I mean, obviously everyone knows what that looks like. I guess it's not obvious, but a lot of people know what a willow looks like, especially mm-hmm. the weeping kind. That's the first tree that pops into a lot of people's heads, and um, it it just has this sort of. Um, I don't know. You can be, you can comfortably sit underneath it, and it kind of like has this veil that comes over and kind of covers over the top of you. So they feel very comfortable to like relax and sit underneath, uh, protect it like a mother's hug. A little bit, but I, I also have another idea for this: the hmm. uh, the sicka spruce, but a big sicka spruce. So sicka spruce are another. They're a spruce tree that grows over here in the um, the western. Uh, it's actually just right on the coast from the redwoods, Northern California, all the way up through southeastern Alaska. Okay, and the down in the in the rainforest area of Washington, Oregon, and Northern California, they can get up to like three hundred and fifty some feet tall. They can compete with redwoods any day of the week. Wow! Um, and they have these really like um, gorgeous buttress bases that kind of come out and have these really nice um, like the perfect angles where it goes from nothing in the ground and then they just go straight up into these big tall columns Hmm. and for some reason i always see them as being like extremely powerful and really like delicate looking when you're kind of afar or you're far away Um, you see that they have needles but their needles don't necessarily come off as like so sharp they're extremely sharp. It's so interesting. It's, when you get close to them, you're just like, my God, this tree is massive. It's super huge. And the um, if you touch the needles, they will almost lacerate your hands. Like they are just like, don't touch me. Hmm. And um, for some reason, I've always had that as... Um, like I was, like I was saying earlier, I don't really genderize trees very often. Obviously, we have to say male or female. But if someone once asked me, like, if you could think of trees in that way, like, what would what would be like the first tree that comes to your mind for a man, for a woman, or something like that? And for some reason, I always have a um, a that genderized version of a sicka spruce. Okay, and as of like a extremely like 
from really far away. I'm just like, this is such a like powerful, beautiful tree. And then you get up close to it, and it's just like, also, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you if you touch me. Like, I see. It's really sharp. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if that quite counts, but um, the fact that they are, she is the uh, Hera is the queen of the of the gods. Then I feel like you have to have something that can compete with the redwoods. If Zeus is a redwood for you, sure. I feel like you got to go with the sick of spruce. Well, here's my thought. I like I like the sick of spruce. That's great. I'm going willow also. I'm going uh-huh. because it's one of the twelve trees I know. I'm going black willow. Well, there you go. I know that when a black willow limb falls on the ground, a black willow grows in its place. Yes. Uh, that you can literally take branches off a black willow, stick them in the ground with some water and soil, and a black willow will grow. Yeah. To me, that that says something about childbirth. and It's very fertile. Fertile. Thank you, Casey. Oh, that's the word you're looking for. What I edited out of this episode was <laughs> me sitting here for 10 seconds trying to think of a word <laughs> that I couldn't think of, and fertile is the word, Casey. Fertility, yeah. Like, uh, in terms of, like, a fertility goddess kind of, you know, feeling. Precisely. Gotcha. And also uh, very beautiful and powerful. Um, which, hey, if that ain't Hera, I don't want to know what is. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Poseidon, god of the seas, water, storms, hurricanes, earthquakes, and horses. What? Yeah. Why? Maybe water horses. Like seahorses? Did you know hippopotamus means river horse? <laughs> no. I love that. Yeah. Hippopotamus. Mm-hmm. Casey, what do you think? Poseidon. Okay, Poseidon. All right, so when I think of Poseidon, I think of... Um, yeah, like powerful, but also like I don't think this has much to do. Isn't there no Waterman, uh, Aquaman? That's what I'm thinking. But I'm mm. not thinking Aquaman um, when I think of like Poseidon. I think there's like some, I don't know, some myth that I read or something. I just picture like this really big, tough person who's this big beard and like just doesn't talk a lot to anyone else. Like okay. not because he can't, but because he doesn't want to. I live in the ocean for a reason, kind of thing. Okay. So I feel like it would be a tree that is like. Good on its own, but chills out, but is like very related to water. Very I good. Guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to choose. I'm going to choose the bald cypress. That's a great one. All right. You think so? 100%. All right. Because it literally lives in swamps yes. and waters and or water, you know, lowland areas. One of my first ideas was the, uh, was the Don Redwood. Oh yeah, which mm-hmm. was in uh, in in China. Yeah, was called, called the the river oak, wa- the water fir. The water fir. You're exactly right. <laughs> you know, some people say river oak. Some people say water <laughs> yeah, fir. Yeah, potato, banana. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, great. Bald uh, cypress. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is that um, the bald cypress has these fun little things called knees. Which are literally growths that come up from the roots just right above the surface of the water. Cool. And I kind of like that idea of them growing in a uh, underwater, but then also just be like sending up these little things every now and then from mm-hmm. the depths of this, you know, black water, you know, swamp down there, in Louisiana. Very cool. Just like Poseidon coming up and being like, hello. With his army of seahorses. I want- <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh, or like his tridents. Yeah. I, I, I was Is that what to, you were going for? And not I came, exactly. I was just thinking head. like, you know, something that comes up from the depths of the water. Oh, like Poseidon himself. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm sorry. That's okay. I think that was fair. Um, I, let's see. Poseidon, to me, he's in the water. Correct? Commander of horses. <laughs> Commander of horses. <laughs> 
That's how he introduces himself. Hi, I'm Poseidon, commander of horses. <laughs> I also come from water. <laughs> I also live in the oceans. How about this? Like a swamp? Maybe you can tell me what this is. Yeah. Like a, like a, like a willow in the swamp or like a tree in the swamp that has like a bunch of lichen growing off of it? All right, yeah. There's uh, a, what would that be? Uh, I mean, a lot of different trees that grow down in like Florida. And honestly, I have to add one thing. A lot of this is just um, limited by my, you know, the trees that I can think of yeah. or know. I mean, but, you and me both. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you I there. Have a, I have a, a cast of 12 I'm choosing <laughs> from here. That's reasonable. <laughs> the uh, the canyon live oak is is a tree that grows in that area, but there's also like um, species of oaks and there's a species of tupelo that also grow down in the swamps and anywhere in the southern swamps, especially the further uh, east you go to like uh, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida. They have these huge, big, gigantic trees covered in Spanish moss. And this yes. goes all the way over to Texas in a lot of places, too. I think the, the connection I'm making is the Spanish moss looks much like a beard. Mm, like a beard of seaweed kind That's of thing. That's right. Yeah. Well, then I would go with that. I'd say swamp tree. Yeah. Cool. Let's do a couple more here, Case. Yeah. I like this game. Casey, next, one of my favorite goddesses in the Greek pantheon. All right. We're talking the goddess of wisdom, handicraft, and warfare, Athena. Oh, yes. Minerva, if you're Roman. Oh, and I forgot to say Neptune is Poseidon. Oh, yes. All right. So we're talking Athena, uh, wisdom and handicraft, which I'm thinking arts and crafts and uh, woodworking and such. Yep. Uh, And warfare. She's also the daughter of Zeus. Ah, okay. All right. Um, she rose from her father's head fully grown. That's what I, that's it. That's the one. Yep. And in full battle armor. She was born ready to fight. Damn straight she was. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. I'm maybe one of those trees that has spikes all over it. That's what, that's one that I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two different, I'm on two different sides right now. Okay. So one is the, I want to say the honey locust. And the reason I want to see the honey locust is because it is a, it's a tree that grows up. It's got really thick, not thick bark, but it has these kind of fun plates that come off of the bark. But if you bite into it or something nicks it or something, it sends out these, these thorns that are like, you know, insane where Hmm. it's there. The scientific name is, um, Gladizio triocanthos. And the triocanthos means that it literally has thorns that come out in threes and they are I've seen some this like those things are nothing to mess with like they will it, they're terrifying. Wow. They, they'll they'll stop anything from messing with that tree. Except a chainsaw probably, but you know that's you know, it's neither here nor there. Interesting. Um and so they're really but the thing is they're they're like they're cool. They're just chilling, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden like a branch breaks or something else happens, then all of a sudden they're like fwing and they send out all these sharp thorns and they're just like not not having it. Don't mess with me. That's very cool. Yeah, but wisdom and handicraft Ah, that leads me also towards a willow, but also a western red cedar, Mm. or I would be willing to say the northern white cedar, (gasps) just saying. The arborvita? The arborvita. Wow. Here's why. On both sides of the continent, one, the giant arborvita, Thuya placata, our western red cedar, gets to like 250 feet tall, gets like 6,000 feet wide. It's a huge, huge thing. (laughs) Roughly. I think I just described, sorry for all of you in Iowa, um, my friend has a book, uh, it's The Onion, and they say, it's like, they're talking about Iowa, I think, or Nebraska, one of the two, and they're like, it's 250 miles north-south, 6,000 miles (laughs) (laughs) east-west. Sorry, I think I just channeled that for a second. Anyway, 
the western red cedar gets huge. It's really tall. Um, it can get really tall, but it gets really, really big and super, uh, like massive in terms of diameter. Um, it lives for a really long time. And the peoples, uh, the first peoples over here in the great Pacific Northwest, they called it the tree of life on that book that we talked about the plants of the Pacific Northwest coast that has like a full gigantic page for this one tree because they're listing out all the uses for this tree. And it was like you would build um, baskets out of the bark. You would um, catch salmon and put the bat or put the, um, the boughs around the salmon and then you would roast it. You would use the bark to make baskets and you use the twigs and the roots to do all sorts of other things. It was a tree that was used from start to finish everything about it. So it was a handicraft like tree. If there was one tree, a whole village could spend days and weeks getting almost everything they needed from it for at least, you know, a little while. So in terms of wisdom and handicraft, it also, the same as the uh, eastern or northern white cedar, if you bit in, into the, um, get vitamin C from the needles. So it was a medicinal tree. It was a useful tree, handicraft, wisdom. Like it has, it has all of it. Wow. Great. So, all right, I'm going to go with the tree of life for, for that. I'm, I'm right there with you. All right. I agree 100%. Casey, one more. Okay. Possibly one of my favorites. Not up on Mount Olympus. Mount Olympus. Not up on Mount Olympus, <laughs> but under the world itself. I'm talking the King of the Dead. Uh, Hades. Wow. Man, I keep on thinking of the Disney version and... Um, I just really like that that Hades variety. Hey, what's up? So I'm Hades. What's oh, up? Oh yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was the guy who voiced that? Oh, I don't know. I, I I can think about him right now. Yeah, I can see his face. Yeah, I just can't remember his name. He is that. I love Hades. <laughs> I think he's the coolest. Well, what do you think? God of Death. Yeah. Uh, keeper of the underworld. Mm, the pine tree. Generic. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you get put in a pine box. Hey, that's pretty straightforward and cool. Easy as that. Honestly, I don't think Hades is a tree at all, Alex. Wow. I think that Hades is the entire fungal world. Yes! Because that's he is the fungal associate to the tree. Oh my God, because, Casey. Yeah, he. as Perfect. soon as a tree falls on the ground, it doesn't, sometimes, you know, a fungus will cause a tree to fall down. Uh -huh. But other times, the fungus just says, welcome, you're now going to become a part of us. Casey, brilliant. That's what I think. Hades is mushroom. That's it. Perfect. It's the it's the it's the uh, the mycelium of the world. Well, that was our game. That it was is, a lot of fun. And it, yeah, I happen to know there are a lot more Greek and other gods out there, and that we could talk about. Oh, many. And next time we're talking about the Castic community, so you better get watching. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> perfect. Casey. Uh, let's move on to our completely arbitrary Q and A. Our question this week is from listener Joshua Jordan. What up, Joshua Jordan? Two jo names, better than one. That's right. Any relation to Michael Jordan? We may never know. Joshua asks, what's going on inside trees that are really tall and skinny? I travel from Texas to northern Minnesota to see family, and I notice a steady change in the shape of trees as I go north. Mm -hmm. By the time I'm in northern Minnesota, the trees have a diameter of six inches, but they are much taller than the trees in Texas. That's right. This is true even for distantly related trees like Texas pines. Correct. My question is, what's going on inside the tree to make such a dramatic difference in height? Casey, I chose this question because it sounds like a question that I would ask. No offense, Joshua. <laughs> yes, you're, you don't want to. 
<laughs> insult Joshua by saying you also had the same question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you are too we're of kind the same ilk, to wink, wink. <laughs> uh, this is a good question, and this has nothing to do before you go on uh-huh. with anything about the um, uh, any. Like, it's a very good question, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's great. a thorough question. So both of you guys are actually noticing something that a lot of people wouldn't even notice or even consider thinking about. So yes. So if I credit. so if I can if I can wrap it up, I would say. Why are some trees really tall and skinny and why are some trees really short and not so skinny? Well, there's two main things that go on with this. The first would be genetics. Some trees just don't grow tall. They just they just don't. They just don't have it in their DNA. They just don't have it in their DNA. They just kind of top out and uh, for whatever reason, sometimes it has to do with physically how they're built, you know, like you would have wider vessels and trachees versus not, which is just like pipes basically. So if your pipes are not able to take enough water up there, way to the super height, eh, you just don't worry about it. But okay. it also has, there's a lot of other complications, but that's not the reason. That's not the answer to this question. It could be. And I say that where if you just have a bunch of trees, you plant them both one, all 100 feet apart in the same big area, everything's exactly the same. Some trees will grow up and out. Some trees will just grow out. Okay. And kind of up. But then at one point you're going to get one, it's like the redwoods. They'll just shoot up to 300 feet in a matter of years, whereas an oak tree will get up to a certain height and decide to grow out where it's just as its side growth is bigger and or it ha- it grows wider than it grows taller. So it just puts more effort going out than up. Okay. But that's not the answer to this question. Hmm. The answer to this question is what is the difference not of what's happening inside the trees? That is a reaction. What's happening outside ah. the trees is what's causing the change in morphology. Okay. So I would be willing to bet if you are down in Texas versus up in Minnesota, the two main main differences is one, you got a lot more water in Minnesota than you have in Texas. Second, you're going to have trees that are because there's more water growing a little bit closer together and competing just a little bit more. Mm. So if you are a tree, let's take the Douglas fir, for instance. Lovely. You have a Douglas fir, and you plant it in the middle of a field. There's no trees for 100 feet in every direction. Okay. Perfect amount of water. It's just loving it. Full sun, everything. That tree is going to grow up, and it's going to start putting out branches. Mm Mm-hmm. As that tree starts putting out branches, it's going to have branches on 100%, 360 degrees. Then it's going to grow up, and it's going to have branches up, branches up, branches, and you get this big, wide, open thing. The branches that are lowest are going to continue to grow out. There's no reason for them to not. There's no shade that's going to be, they're going to run into, so they're just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the top is going to keep growing up and keep growing up. The tree is going to get really wide. Like the diameter is going to be huge. And it's going to look like it's a massive old tree when really it just is growing in the most perfect conditions. It has... 80 feet or whatever of photosynthetic material all the way down to the ground, 360 degrees. So it's getting extremely well-fed. So if you're getting extremely well-fed, you're getting just a little bit wider around the rings, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Do I ever. So that's what's happening there. Now, imagine that same exact tree. Everything about it is the same, except you plant 500 trees around it in every Uh. direction. All of a sudden, as it puts out these lower branches, the tree right next to it puts out its lower branches. Mm. And then all of a sudden, when those lower branches meet, one is going to grow over the top of the other and kind of shade it out. Then as the tree grows up and puts out branches at six feet instead of four feet, all of a sudden, the ones that are at four feet are now covered by... uh, are now shaded down below. So all of a sudden, the tree's like, well, I'm not getting any energy from my lower branches. The only possible place that I can get light is if I go up. 
Okay. So the tree grows up because it's now losing all of the branches on the ground I see. or below. So if you have competition from other trees in a forested area, you are trying to get as high as you can possibly go because that's the only way that you are going to survive. Because if you stop growing, the tree next to you is going to grow bigger and taller and they're going to put those branches out just a little bit higher every single year and you're going to have branches that are just a little bit lower every single year okay. until all of a sudden the trees next to you literally go... And take all the sunlight away. So it's less about what's happening. It's less about the tree and what the tree is capable of and more about uh, conditions like yes. outside the tree, competition exactly. and such. Yes. So you can do the same th- in um, in arboriculture, we would call the term taper, where um, you have to remember a tree is more or less a cone, where you have the central, the the middle area, the pith, as we talked about last week. Yeah. And then uh, the next year, you have a new layer that grows out on all sides of that pith, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have a new shoot that comes up that same year. So you get tip elongation and you get um, diameter elongation. It gets a little bit wider. Okay. So now, if you do that again and again, can you see, can you imagine how that kind of becomes a cone on top of of a cone on yeah. top of a cone. Uh-huh. So trees that are growing and they're getting really wide at the base because they're getting all this energy, they have all these lower branches, they can just get as fat as they want and they don't have to worry about growing tall really fast. Those trees are really strong and stable with these really thick bases, um, but you just have these big fat cones. Other trees now, if they're growing up higher, those cones are much skinnier. So it's still a cone, but instead of being a wide base and a skinny top, it's a really skinny top with a it's a skinny top with a little bit less or wider base. So you end up getting what looks like straight columns when really eh, they they're losing diameter inch by inch by inch as you go up. Interesting. So we call it taper because it's literally the taper in the stem as it gets smaller in diameter as the trees grow up. Yeah. So if you have a big gigantic forest of trees, they do not have to put on big wide rings in order to stay up because just like if you've ever been to a concert, you recall it's when a bunch of people would stand in a crowd Hmm. and there would be other people around you right next to you. Where you might listen to music. Yes, 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 yes. That's stuff that you see on the internet. Yeah. So imagine that. If you're standing in a big crowd and it starts to wave and move, uh-huh. you don't have to stand and like keep shifting your feet around. You just kind of let the crowd push you and you just kind of bend on, put, lean on the crowd, lean on the crowd, and yeah. you're just kind of moving with the whole flow of it all. But you are not actually holding yourself up. Everyone around you is holding you up while you're moving around. I guess maybe I'm thinking of like a pretty, like, you know, more of the front of a crowd where yeah, everyone's really like, stoked. You and I went to different <laughs> we concerts. We went to different concerts. Well, basically, if you have trees all, the, all around you and a big wind comes, that all those trees are just moving at the very, very tippy top. Okay. And then all the trees that are on, say, your left side are buffeting you from the wind coming from your left side. So you don't need to worry about putting on strength to hold yourself up from the left side. I see. And then if you have that on the right side, the front and the back, you just have these big long noodle trees because they don't need to be super strong down in the lower stem because they're not moving down there. They're just moving a little tiny bit because all the rest of the forest is holding everything at bay in terms of all these other forces that's interesting casey yeah so as opposed to the trees down in lower texas they have a lot more room to grow out and it's more beneficial 
in Texas, perhaps, to grow just a little bit wider and then keep just a little bit more shade underneath your roots so it doesn't dry out as fast. Gotcha. But you're also not able to grow up super tall because as you get bigger and bigger, you have more exposure to more sun, which is good, but that means you're also using or have more opportunity to lose water. So trees in drier habitats tend to start growing out at a lower um elevation or a lower height than trees in wetter habitats where they can grow just a little bit taller because they have all the water in the world to deal with. Great. Yeah. So, and that's true almost across the board if you go around. So that is the, the main answer is taper in trees and forest conditions versus not forest conditions. That's great. Yeah, there you go. Thanks for the question, Josh. Great question. This is actually a really fun one. If you have a question about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. It's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. That's right. Or join us on Patreon. Become a tree hugger, a part of the Arboretum, or join the Cone of the Month Club mm-hmm. for varying amounts of money from your pocket. It's a good time. We appreciate it, but you can also just, you know, give us a give us a thumbs up yeah. in whatever way that you want. You can forever listen for free, and you don't have to interact with us at all if you don't want to. <laughs> That's true. We don't mind. We'll do this anyway. Casey... This was our last episode of our first season of our new podcast, oh Completely Arbitrary. Thank everybody for sticking with us. Yeah, thanks, guys. And next season, we will not be telling you about... <laughs> I was going to say, don't bring it, Alex! ...until our trailer comes out. So next week, instead of a regular episode of Completely Arbitrary, yep. in uh, you will be receiving in your podcast app of choice a trailer for season two of Completely Arbitrary. We're very excited to share our ideas with you. It is going to be fun, and we got them all planned out. Not to mention, though, we should say that we're sorry that you're not getting a great new bit of content tomorrow. Next week, I meant. Yes. But Alex and I need a break sometimes, too. That's right. We're going to take the week off. (laughs) It's a lot of work over here. (laughs) Everyone should give Alex another round of applause. (laughs) puts in so much time. And Casey. We've both worked very hard on this. And you know what, Casey? Uh, I'm I'm pretty proud of what we've made so yeah, far. I think so too, and we, I just can't I just can't thank everyone for the support. I feel like it's just so so generous. It's all downhill from here, my friend. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. In Thanks a good for... way. It's downhill in a good way. Yes, right? like you're Less coasting. Hard. Yeah, <laughs> on roller skates. <laughs> I don't want to coast on roller skates downhill. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. See you next season. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our production consultant is Olivia Frankie. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by The Mini Vandals. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. This is Alex. I'm Casey. We just recorded episode 12, The Magnolia, The Southern Magnolia. <laughs> During this episode, we played a game where we assigned different trees to some of the Greek gods. The moment we stopped recording... Casey revealed that he wished we had done Artemis. I myself wish we had done Artemis. <laughs> so we're here with a little bonus clip. What? Because we fucked up. No, get and out of here. We are going to assign a tree to Artemis, goddess of the hunt. Japan. One of our favorite Greek gods. Uh, I didn't include her in the game for uh, personal reasons. Oh, it's just because you thought we were going too far. Yeah, too it long. was it was taking a while, but here we are. 
adding this content. I'm so excited. All right. So the reason I wanted to do this, sorry, you know, you got you to gotta well, tell us Let me introduce Artemis. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Artemis, also known as Diana, if you're a Roman. Um, Artemis, uh, goddess of the hunt, the wilderness, virginity, something I didn't know I about. I didn't know that either. Uh, the moon, archery. Mm-hmm. She's got that cool bow. Uh, childbirth, protection, and plague. And as we all know, she's flanked by her dogs, <gasps> her hunting dogs. Where are my dogs at? Who are my DMX friends? Who let the dogs out? My DMX dogs. It was Artemis. We're thinking of the of different bands right I now, Alex. <laughs> I'm thinking, of course, of the Baja Men. Ah, I was thinking of my boy DMX. Yeah. Well, Case, what do you think? All right. So, um, two things. One, um, some of my good friends who I play ultimate frisbee with, they went to school and they're all they're extremely proud. That was their their mascot and everything for was their Artemis? team. Artemis, yeah. Hell it was, yeah. It was Lewis and Clark, yeah. That's great. Exactly. And it's it's the, like, it's just, uh, they would be upset if I didn't do this. Mm. I mean, all one that listens to it, I don't know. <laughs> Regardless, um, because Artemis is like such a, uh, like a badass character, but also kind of is like the, um, I don't know, the, her character has so many different sides to it where it's it's the moon and it is what is it protection and plague did you say yeah and a couple other things like but then at the same time is like oh i got these two huge dogs and i shoot like i'm the goddess of the hunt like wilderness like i don't know everything about artemis is just so fantastic yeah and she's got layers to her as so well. many yeah, yeah. So I like the U tree for this, which some people would say, and this is Y E U W. U's are quintessential longbows of the um, not even ancient, just of uh, the French and the English. Sweet, yeah. So it was like, oh, an English longbowman or a French longbowman. They would have U's that they would use in order to shoot U's. <laughs> was that good? That was good. Yes, that was good. <laughs> you don't have to pander to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, not only, and because of their the, the kind of tree, so out here we have the Pacific U, which I don't know for sure, but I would imagine is also used for some amount of archery. I cannot confirm or deny that. Um, but they are, they only, I only find them growing really far out in wilderness areas. They, for some reason, maybe they got cut down. They didn't do... Um, they, do, they don't perform anything huge in the environment. Like, they're not massive trees. They grow really small in, like, really far out, you know, areas. But they're super tough trees. Some of the hardest wooded trees. They have this beautiful bark. They have gorgeous green leaves with these little um, uh, fruit called an aural. And they little have... Little olives. Yes, they kind of look like that. Yeah. Yeah. But they also, um, because they, they live out in the wilderness, they're used for archery very specifically, and they grow really slowly, and they also have historically, uh, some people found a use for them in fighting against cancer. So they, they have like these medicinal qualities that people are being like, wait, hold on, we just have been crushing this tree because we're trying to get to the Douglas firs to cut it down. But instead, it actually has all these really cool uses. It's used as a the classic like fear me i'm one of the best archers in the world because i can bend back this u longbow shoot like a hundred thousand yards and on top of that i just think it's the most just such a beautiful tree it's bark i just gets it gets me every time yeah it's an incredible looking tree that's my opinion so i think that um that would be artemis because i think it also has layers like this tree itself just Mm. like artemis badass casey i agree (sighs) 
I love it when you we agree. Casey stole my answer. What? Come on. <laughs> All right. Now goodbye for real. All right. Later. You hang up first. I did.